minute. It's great to see you. Wow, wasn't it encouraging to hear the testimonies of those two who were baptized in water today? We are four lives transformed. We are a community of Christ followers. We also say that this is a place where you can belong before you believe. That means that every week we are praying that God will bring through our doors people who are curious, people who are looking for spiritual direction, people who are longing for hope and purpose, people who are going through a life struggle. We ask God to guide people to people's church who have, have questions about Jesus and want to know truly what it means to follow him. So if any of that describes you today, I want to start by speaking just to you. So if you are already a Christian, you're already a follower of Christ, for the next like 60 seconds, you can just do whatever you want, as long as it's not loud. You can check your Facebook, your Instagram, order your lunch online. I want to talk just to those who would say, by self-description, you are outside looking in. Because I have a question for you, and this is a, a think about your answer question. It's not a yell your, yell your answer question or even a raise your hand to answer the question. Here's the question. If you would describe yourself as a faith outsider looking in today, as you pursue Jesus, what could someone who is already a Christ follower do to help? As you are drawn to faith with a sincere desire to know what it means to be a Christian, maybe you've, you've heard about Jesus, but you've never made any sort of personal commitment. Maybe you're going through a challenge that is medical, financial, something in your home, at work, there's a life-controlling habit, and you're wondering if Jesus may have the path forward for you. Maybe you would describe yourself like I would describe myself before I gave my life to Christ and, and you have sleepless nights and you're tossing and you're turning with burdens and questions. It could be that you're here and you're not sure if Jesus is the answer, but he might be the answer. And so my question again for you, how could someone who already knows, who understands and is committed to Jesus connect with you that is meaningful, that is encouraging and possibly even life changing? Because here's what we know to be true about just about everyone who would say that they are already a Christ follower. Okay, so if you've been checking your Facebook or whatever, now this is now for you, so come on back. Here's what we know is true about just about every person who is a follower of Christ. People who follow Jesus want to help others follow Jesus. People who are followers of Jesus want to help others follow Jesus, but what we, a lot of us would admit is that we don't always know the best way to go about doing that. So if you've been away from Jesus or church or both for a while, if you've never been in church before, you're here on a great Sunday, maybe you think highly of Christ, but you'd say that you've had some problems with some Christians, we would say us too. We want you to know this is a place where imperfect people worship a perfect Savior. We want to talk about how we can be better for you, specifically better in having those meaningful, encouraging, and possibly even life-changing conversations. 
This is our second week in a teaching series called Love Circles, and the concept is this. As followers of Christ, we believe that we are placed in our world, in our city, and in our homes on purpose and for a purpose. God places us in influence circles where we have an opportunity to share the love of Christ. As we begin to see our circles this way, that God was actually intentional in placing you and me where we are, and we start to think about those circles of influence, if God actually placed us where we are on purpose, intentionally, then the influence that we have, it becomes uh, not optional to use it, but God actually expects us to use that influence. The responsibility is motivated by a love for God because he first loved us, and then we reflect that love back into the lives of other people. Love circles. Last week, we talked about the influence circle that is our family. Remember, we talked about Jairus and how Jairus is remembered 2,000 years ago because he invited Jesus into his home. I want to encourage you to be here next week because we're going to wrap up this conversation on love circles as we open our conversation about missions and launch into missions week. And we're gonna talk about how we can use our influence to make our difference around the world in faraway places with people who live far away who we may never meet this side of eternity next week, next week. This week, I'm gonna invite you to open with me to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. And we're talking about the circle of influence that is our community, our city, Salem, Kaiser, Jefferson, Silverton, Jervis, Mount Angel, Brooks, Independence, Dallas. Met someone from Oregon City who told me they drive 45 minutes to be here every Sunday. Did I miss any places? Turner. Turner. How could I forget Turner? <laughs> this is our geographic community. Our community is also people who we stay connected with, but we don't necessarily live geographically close to them. Like if you went to high school or college somewhere else, maybe you're connected in community with people who you went to school with, even though you don't live near them anymore. Uh, our community can be a network with people in our, our company or our organization, if your organization spans multiple states or locations. It can be people in your industry. Many of us would say that our closest community is actually people who are in our same type of work or profession but don't necessarily live near us. That's a community. A community can be people who you share interests with, that you're connected with online or through events throughout the year. Maybe you are connected in a community of people who ride motorcycles or go camping or collect trinkets, all right? All types of communities. So he started with the question, if you are not a Christian, how can those of us who are already Christians have meaningful, encouraging, and possibly even life-changing conversations with you? Because people who follow Jesus want to help others follow Jesus, but we don't always know the best way to go about it. So today we're going to get some help from someone who is great to get help from, and that person is Jesus. So we're in Luke chapter 10, and Luke records the details of a historical event when Jesus sent his followers out to people who were not his followers. Some translations say that Jesus sent out 70. Other translations say 72. You could have that debate later if you want, but for what we're going to talk about today, it's uh, not that important. I just don't want you to get hung up if I keep saying 70 and you see 72. So we're going to move on. Jesus sends his followers out in groups of two. 
What is crazy to get our minds around is that these 70 or 72 were our predecessors. Jesus is still sending people out today. And it traces all the way back to these 70 or 72 who he sent out 2,000 years ago. The instructions have the very same heart today. This group living out Jesus' instructions, these instructions have now been passed on to the generations reaching us now here in Salem, Oregon, 2021. So let's start in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. These were his instructions to them. Jesus' instructions to his disciples. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. When Jesus said the harvest, he is talking about people who want to know about Jesus. They are ready, willing, and just waiting for someone to have the conversation. That's the harvest. The workers, the workers are Christ followers who will have spiritual conversations with the ready, waiting, and willing. So we understand here in the Willamette Valley, one of the most fertile farming areas in the entire world, we understand the concept of farming. And praise God, we have some of the finest farmers in our entire region who are part of the church family. We understand the concept of, of harvest. Even if we aren't farmers, we get the concept. Harvest is a finite period of time. When, the, when there is a readiness you have a limited time for the harvest. And so if you are a farmer, even if you aren't a farmer, you probably understand this. Maybe you've worked a part-time job at some point in your life helping out on a farm. You know that each farm needs the right amount of workers for the harvest. If you don't have enough workers, what happens? You lose. You lose a percentage of the potential harvest if you don't have enough workers. And so what we know true, to be true agriculturally, Jesus illustrates us for, Jesus draws this parallel to spiritual. Jesus calls out then what many of us know is true today. The workers are few. There are more people ready, willing, and waiting there are more people ready, waiting, and willing to know about Jesus than there are believers who will engage in those conversations. And so Jesus has a prayer request that more of his followers will go out to those who are ready, willing, and just waiting for someone to come and have the conversation with them. We also know this, being a Christian living in a, in a location, being a Christian living in a community is not the same as being a worker in the community. And many of us may be reluctant to have spiritual conversations because of what Jesus says next, verse three. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Before we get to the lambs, among wolves part. Let's go first to Jesus saying, now go, I am sending you out. Jesus is sending his followers out. Well, where is out? Out is to those who are not yet followers. Sending, in some cases, means going on a plane, but it doesn't mean just getting on a plane. Sending also means going across the street. 
when missionaries go wherever it is they go on planes and they arrive at the faraway place where they're going to serve as a missionary, they go by plane, but when they get there, what do they need to do? Go across the street. So where we live, we just cut out the going on a plane part and we just go across the street. It was Isaiah who famously said, here I am, send me. Being sent is far more about asking God to set up, asking God to set up connections with those who are ready, willing, and waiting. It's far more about asking God to set up those connections than about how far we have to travel to have those connections. So back to the outsider looking in today. As you're longing for answers, you're an outsider looking in when it comes to personal commitment and relationship with Jesus. What could someone who is a Christ follower do to help you? You might, you might say, you know, I'm not even sure if God exists, but if God exists, it would really help God send me somebody who's willing to have the conversation. Send me someone who knows, who has the answers that I'm longing for deep down in my spirit. All right, so here's where it's about to get a little bit real for those of us who live here and we're already followers of Christ. Is it necessary, is it necessary for God to mobilize a Christian from some other faraway place, from a foreign nation, is it necessary for God to mobilize someone who lives somewhere else, moving them here to tell lost people about Jesus? Or can we own that mission? Can we be responsible spiritually for the place where we live, linking arms with other Bible-believing, Christ-centered churches in our city? Father, we pray that you don't have to send missionaries to Salem from somewhere else because your workers will rise up from right here. Now to the lambs among wolves peace. Let's just be very blunt. Wolves eat lambs. Wolves reduce the lamb population. When Jesus says this, we know that not everyone, not everyone is ready, willing, and waiting. There are some who are against the message of Christ. There are some who will act or react violently towards Christians. So when Jesus says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves, he's addressing our excuses. Because you might say, well, if I go out there and have those conversations, it might get awkward. It could get uncomfortable. They may even reject me. They could hurt me. And I actually have heard about Christians all over the world um, who have actually been killed just because they're a Christian. And Jesus says, I know that. In the same sentence that I'm saying, go, I'm sending you, I'm acknowledging that what I'm doing is I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. But go anyway. Why? Because it's not about you. Jesus tells his followers to sacrificially put the spiritual needs of others above their own needs. When Jesus is giving these instructions, it's more about the people who need to know than those who already know. Many of us, if we've been around church for a while, we've actually heard this, 
this preached on before. We've heard this in messages before where Jesus sent out the 70 or 72. And if you're anything like me, you start to think about, okay, what does that mean through the lens of my life? What do I have to give up in order, or what might I sacrifice? What might I have to lay on the table to live this out? Where Jesus, he's not prioritizing those of us who are already his followers. He's actually challenging us because he has those who don't yet know in mind. What will we do for those who do not already know? Followers connecting with those who are not yet followers is all about those who are not yet followers. We're not going out as wolves against wolves. We're going out as lambs among wolves. We're being sent out to bring hope, not to retaliate. We're being sent out to connect the spiritually lost to Christ, not to seek revenge. Verse four, Jesus says, don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. It's said that Jesus' instructions here may not be forbidding bringing what is essential, but he is certainly forbidding bringing what's extra. Sheep among wolves, don't bring extra stuff. Well, when we read these things, when we listen to the words of Jesus, we see that Jesus is asking us to not be dependent upon our own strength. We are going to be dependent, if this is gonna be successful, we need to be dependent on a strength that is greater than our own. Not me, but Christ who lives within me. Where is our dependence? What we need is God's provision and the message of hope in Christ. Having stuff, not a bad thing. I like stuff. Having stuff, not a bad thing. But we don't want our stuff to get in the way of what God wants us to do. And to be told not to stop to greet anyone on the road, this highlights the urgency of living out the mission. The harvest has an expiration date. There is a, a, a limited time available to complete the harvest. What I'm about to say next, actually everything that I've said today, it's just as much for me as it may be for anyone else in this room. See, we can have the best of intentions of having conversations with the ready, the willing, and the waiting about Jesus, but it's possible that we get so caught up in living life, going to work, being with our friends, buying things on Amazon, that we say, oh, that conversation that I was gonna have, I'll do it tomorrow. That neighbor who's in their driveway, I'll talk to them next time I see them in the driveway. That coworker that I just happen to always walk into the office with at the same time, tomorrow I'll have the conversation. Living the sent life means being intentional about conversations daily with those who are ready, willing, and waiting. How could someone who is already following Jesus serve you if you would describe yourself as an outsider looking in? You would say that you would value someone having a conversation with you who's not too busy to have the conversation. And those of us who are already followers of Christ, we would say as we go back to when we became followers, it's highly likely that there was someone who came into our life and they were patient, they were kind, they answered our questions in a way that finally made sense. So now what a tremendous, exciting opportunity. We can be that for someone else. We can be that for somebody else. Verses five and six. Whenever you enter someone's home, Jesus says, first say, may God's peace be on this house. 
if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. So here Jesus tells the disciples to meet people where? In their homes. Now, yes, there is a place, there is an effectiveness to street evangelism or to uh, meeting people in the public square, whatever that looks like in Salem. But here, Jesus gives instructions for these disciples to go and pursue people, meeting them in their most intimate, private, personal space. Jesus says, that's where you're going to connect with them. You're looking for people of peace. So I want you to imagine the scene. (laughs) Two believers, they went out two by two, and Jesus sends them out, and they knock on whatever a door looks like in Israel 2,000 years ago. They knock on the door. The door opens, or the curtains pulled back, whatever that looks like. And there are strangers. Two strangers knocking on the door and strangers inside the house. And I happen to think that people are not all that different, or we're not all that different 2,000 years ago than they are today. Say this afternoon, you're watching a football game. Who does your team play? No one's going to watch any games today. <laughs> Who's playing the, the Cowboys and the Giants? So you're watching the Cowboys and the Giants game. It's like the fourth quarter. The game is tied. Three minutes left. And then someone knocks on your door. Someone rings your doorbell. Are you serious? <laughs> Maybe they don't see me in here. <laughs> but because you're a good person, you go and open the door, you open the door, and it's two strangers. What do you think? What are you going to try to sell me? Who are you going to ask me to vote for? What do you want from me? I'm skeptical if any stranger knocks on my door. So how different this is that these strangers knocking on the door, they don't want anything from you, from the, the people who live in the home. What they want is something for them. They're there to offer. They're there to give, not to take. They're there to offer the truth that is the path to peace. And get your mind around this. What they have to offer in that moment is greater than any other gift that will be offered in their entire lifetime. What they have to offer, those strangers, those messengers at the door, what they have to offer is greater than anything else that will ever be offered at that house in the entire life of the people who are at the other side of the door. So there is the one who needs the message looking at those who bring the message, and the messengers are not there to take. So what happens? The messengers, they begin to share why they're there. And now it is completely under the control of those who live in the home. And they have a choice. Receive or reject. Receive or reject. We are praying for those who are separated from God by their sin and rebellion to be open (laughs) to the message of hope. You're looking for a person open to the message of hope in Christ. You're looking for someone who wants to have the conversation, the person who is ready, willing, and just waiting for someone to come to their door, meet them 
at their office, wherever it may be, who will share about Jesus in a way that is meaningful, encouraging, and possibly even life-changing. Verse 7. Jesus, Jesus says, don't move around from home to home, stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. Jesus here says, stay focused on one. Don't bounce around. Stay focused on one. Accept their hospitality. This all points to an intentional, not rushed conversation. Because if you were to be a person who bounced from house to house to house to house, not accepting what they have to offer you, how might that be received by the person on the other side of the doorway? You're being rude. You're being disrespectful. You're making me feel like I'm your project. How could someone who is already following Jesus serve you if you would describe yourself as an outsider looking in? You would say what you would value is a person who's not rushed, going from one person to the next. You, don't want, you do not want to feel like you're someone's project. You do not, you do not want to feel disrespected. All right, so what's the conversation topic? Verse 9, Jesus says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Now, that Greek word that is translated into English for us as heal, it does mean like physical healing, but it also means to serve. So we can take this to mean that we're supposed to meet people where they are. As a result of understanding where they are, we can lead them to the unchanging message of broken relationship with a loving Heavenly Father that he desperately wants to be restored. How could, any, how could someone who's already following Jesus serve you? You would say, first, understand where I'm coming from. Take time to understand where I'm coming from. I think that, I think I've done this, maybe you've done this, we can just jump in and assume where they're coming from. And you know what they say about assume? Maybe you've never heard that. <laughs> Take time to understand where I'm coming from. Then and explain why Jesus is the answer that you're seeking. The kingdom of God is near. Jesus is close. Jesus say, says, if they reject you, wipe the dust off your feet and leave. Shake the dust off your feet. This is to say, I've done what God has asked me to do and you have rejected the message. Maybe someone in here, what you need to hear is that you have been trying to have the conversation. You've, you've spoken to them time and time and time again and they keep rejecting and rejecting and you feel a burden like that you cannot give up on them. And maybe God is saying that there are other people who need to hear the message. So at least for now, it's time to move on. I didn't say this. Jesus said this. And maybe you keep praying for them that someone else will be the effective one to reach them. But maybe if you've tried and you've tried and you've tried, at least for now, it's time to try somewhere else and then maybe come back. God has given us the free will to choose him. It's a, it's a choice. If the choice were forced, then it would not be a choice and it wouldn't be love. Verse 16, then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me and anyone who rejects you is rejecting me and anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. So the disciples were sent out. Luke does not record any of the interactions that happen 
at the homes, but he does record this result. Verse 17, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. So these disciples have had encounters where they have seen the power of God at work. They have seen what happens when the name of Jesus is spoken. Jesus sent out the 70 or the 72, but it wasn't about them. It was about those who received the message. So when they say the demons obey us, who does that sound like they're making it about? Themselves. As thrilled as they are, they may be missing the point because as they're saying, Jesus, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Jesus responds if you're following along. What Jesus says next is, I saw Satan falling like lightning. You saw demons respond to the name of Jesus. Jesus says, well, what I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw Satan defeated. Jesus calls out and names the enemy of our soul, Satan. And he says, as you are out there sharing the message, one by one, one by one, I saw the enemy defeated. I saw Satan fall like lightning. The testimony that we had in our water baptisms, I wanted to rob hell of one more sinner, me. Satan fell like lightning. I saw the enemy defeated. What is the end goal of followers having conversations with people who are not yet followers? Verse 20, Jesus says, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Yes, it's time to celebrate, but let's celebrate the right thing. New life, names recorded in heaven. The desired outcome is for people who are not Christ followers to become Christ followers. How could someone who's already following Jesus serve you? You'd say that they would have a meaningful conversation about Jesus in such a way that I would be in a position to make my own decision. And how great it would be if at the end of that conversation or series of conversations, at the end, everyone rejoices. Well, what will be the outcome where everyone involved rejoices? It will be for someone who's not a follower to become a follower of Christ. Names registered in heaven, new life, in Christ. How can a follower of Christ help someone who would describe themselves as an outsider? Quick summary, allow God to set up the conversation by connecting someone who is a follower with someone who's not a follower. Be kind, be patient, be generous with time, meet people where they are, be respectful and understanding. Answer the question, why Jesus? And then give them an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And many of us would say it would be the greatest privilege of our life to lead someone who is spiritually lost into new relationship with Christ. Instead of becoming overwhelmed by all who are lost, go to one who is lost. Most of us would say that we want to have spiritual conversations, but we can be held back, perhaps even overwhelmed, thinking about just how many there are who are spiritually lost in the world. Just how many there are in our country, in Oregon, in our city, 
even in our neighborhood, and we think, oh, there's so many, what difference does it make if I go after just one? Well, press into the words of Jesus. He said, don't be bouncing around one after another. Go to one, one at a time, one at a time. Ask God to send you to one. For you, it might be an invitation conversation where you're going to invite them to come to church. And we believe every time that we gather together to worship, we wanna give people an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their savior. We also believe that as followers of Christ, we need to be ready. That we don't wanna be caught completely off guard if someone says, hey, I know you're a Christian. I'm interested in being a Christian. How do you become a Christian? What does that even mean? We wanna be able to say very simply, well, to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian means that our sin, everybody, our sin, our rebellion, it separates us from a loving heavenly father. But God cared so much for us that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. He defeated death three days later. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are restored in relationship to our heavenly father and our sins are forgiven. Go to one. Then another one. Then another one. What if someone rejects you? Well, Jesus told us, kick the dust off your feet and go to the next one. Don't give up. The circle of influence, the love circle that is our community, God has called us to love the world. And that begins with where we live in the world. And for most of us, that's here. Jesus gave his followers instructions around what is best for those who are not yet followers. So let me ask you this question. Here we are in October. What would it look like if every person who calls people's church their church home? What would it look like if we all reached one with what's left in the year 2021? Our, our, our church database, we have thousands of names of people who say, people's church is my church. What would it look like if every person reached one? Imagine the spiritual difference that would make in our city. If each one of us took the ownership of that, instead of being overwhelmed by all the ones, if we said, God, lead me to one, lead me to one, lead me to one person who is ready, willing, and just waiting for someone to have the conversation. Give me the spiritual insight to know, oh, this is what I asked for. And it may happen when you least expect it. I believe that if you were to pray to God, God, guide me to somebody who's ready, willing, and waiting for someone to come and talk to them about Jesus, I believe, I believe God will answer that prayer. I believe God will answer that prayer. I was speaking with a missionary this week who said, God, I believe that you're sending me but it's gonna be for some other later time in life, somewhere down the road. 
Well, what happened is that that call to, to be sent to another part of the world happened very quickly. See, I believe if we tell God, send me, whether it's across the street or around the world, God is, Jesus prayed for harvest workers and there is an urgency. So if you say, I'm willing to be sent across the street, God's gonna start using that, I believe, right away. Because the harvest, there's an urgency. There's a limited time and the workers are few. What a difference it would make if each one of us said, God, use me to reach one. Then I'll go for one more and one more and one more. God, use me to be your messenger to those who desperately need the message and are just waiting for someone to have the conversation. Close your eyes with me as we conclude our time together. Picture in your mind with me this, what Jesus had described of these, these disciples going out, the messengers standing at the doorstep and the one who needs the message standing on the other side. And as the message is shared, the one who needs the message has a choice to receive or to reject. And I believe there may be someone who's here today that that's what's happening spiritually in your life right now. That the messenger, Jesus Christ himself, is standing at the door of your heart and he's not forcing himself in because that's not how he operates, but he's giving you an option right now. And he's saying, will you let me in? Will you allow me to enter your life as, and be the Lord of your life? And there's no neutral response. You have an opportunity right now to receive or to reject Jesus. See, I believe that God brought you here today on purpose and for a purpose. Why wait one more day to make a first time commitment or recommitment to Jesus Christ? Why put it off? God sent his son, Jesus Christ. And today I believe Jesus is asking you, will you receive me or will you reject me? And if you're in this place today and you'd say, you know what, today's the day that I would like to receive Jesus. I accept. My heart's door is wide open. I would love to be able to pray with you today. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so that I know how to pray for you, would you simply lift up a hand right now and make eye contact with me so I can pray with you? That's right. Let's lift up a hand right now. Who in this place would give their, I see your hand. I see you. Who else? How many others would say today is the day? I see you. Thank you. Let's pray for these friends who've raised a hand and others who may have be following with us online today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Right now is the time to have the conversation. 
Tell God, say, Father, I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. From your own words, do it right now. Say, Father, I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. I repent. I turn from my old life, and I receive Jesus. Thank you, God, for forgiving my sins. Thank you for making me new. The door of my life is open, and out of my own free will, not by force, I'm inviting my Savior to come on in to rule and to reign. Father, I thank you for the one, the multiple in this room today, the many who just said they would like to give their life to Christ. Father, may this moment be sealed as a life-changing moment. Thank you. We rejoice. <laughs> we rejoice when names are recorded in the book of life. For all of us here, Father, whether we've been a Christian for 20 years or 20 seconds, use us. May we not exist in the comfort of our own salvation. May we be willing to be sent out, knowing that to be sent out does not usually mean going to the other side of the world. Usually being sent out means going across the street, being difference makers where we already live. And Father, we imagine just how amazing it will be if each of us were to set out with that mission to reach one, reach one. Father, we pray that you'd bring revival and you'd use us to bring you, be your messengers, ambassadors of hope in Christ. And we thank you in, in advance for the lives that will be transformed through the faithful work of the People's Church family in the most important harvest of all time. In Jesus' name.